steal, and Puss with the chain. And St. John's takes down number three, Villanova. A signature win for Mike Anderson. Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And the moment is finally here at the time of this recording. We are a little over 48 hours away from the main event of the St. John's non-conference schedule as the Red Storm will take on Kansas on Friday night at the brand new UBS Arena out there on Long Island. I will be there. I'm sure a lot of people listening will be there as well. I've already spoke to a ton of people who said that they will be in attendance for the big game. Uh, We're going to preview that game. We're going to talk a little bit about the Red Storm's uh, non-conference play to date, or their lack of play to date uh, with Kevin Connolly. We're going to have Kevin on in about a moment to uh, to talk about the Red Storm, how they've fared so far in the non-conference. We didn't do a show last weekend, so we're going to talk about uh, the NJIT game, the St. Francis game, maybe a little bit of the FDU game as well, as the Red Storm uh, have, have not really looked so great in their past three non-conference play, non-conference games. Do you chalk it up to you know a lack of energy in the building, or do you chalk it up to something uh, bigger than that? We'll hear Kevin's thoughts on that. And then we're going to preview the big game of the weekend as St. John's takes on number eight Kansas at UBS Arena. We're going to get Kevin's thoughts on what does St. John's need to do to win? Uh, what does Kansas bring to the table? How does Kansas beat you? And we'll get his thoughts on if he thinks St. John's can pull out a win in this massive game. So that's coming up right now, and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'm now joined by Kevin Connolly. He is the site expert at Storm the Paint, St. John's, not only a St. John's basketball blog, but a St. John's sports blog on fan-sided. He does a wonderful job on there. Definitely check that out. Kevin, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, Troy. Happy to be here. Um, I've been told that there's a big game on Friday. There is, there is a, a slightly big game on Friday in a, uh, a slightly new arena, too, for, uh, for St. John's and, and Kansas, as you mentioned. If, if, you, if you haven't heard, I guess this is the first time that you're hearing of that. So, yeah, a <laughs> l- little bit of a big game, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's why we have you on to, uh, to talk St. John's, Kansas. We're going to talk a little bit about the season you know, as a whole up to this point as well. But, you know, mainly the last, last couple of games. So before we get into, you know, previewing the game against Kansas and the matchups and everything like that. Uh, let's talk about, you know, how this team has looked since that Indiana game. And I think that Indiana game was, it was a good measuring stick for them. I think that they kind of measured up, you know, they played a really close game on the road, in a tough environment, came up a little bit short. Since then, though, they really haven't looked how you would have hoped they would look. Uh, they've, you know, as you know, they struggled against uh, FDU. They almost lost St. Francis, and then they went to overtime against NJIT. What are you seeing from the last couple of games? I mean, like, how, how do you chalk up, you know, how they look just so poor the last couple of games? I think the, the biggest thing is it was just like a lack of energy and a lack of energy all over the place. Like, mm-hmm. you're coming off this Indiana game where, uh, I mean, the place is jam-packed, the place is going nuts, mm-hmm. um, the energy's through the roof, and then you come back home and you play the week of Thanksgiving against um, three bad teams mm-hmm. and no one really comes out to the games and um, there's not really an energy in the arena. So um, I, I don't fault them for that. I mean, fairly Dickinson game, 
not, not that you, you just throw that out the window, but you definitely could see a letdown coming just yeah. because of how hyped the Indiana game was. Um, and I mean, believe it or not, that's the game they won by the biggest point margin of, of their last three. They won that by 13. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's a game that you could kind of just throw out the window just because mm-hmm. you, you had that that major letdown in terms of atmosphere and intensity and you're coming off a tough loss in a game that you shouldn't have won, but you had a chance to win. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, I think, and then you look at St. Francis and you're like, all right, you didn't have Posh Alexander, yeah. mm-hmm. but, but that's still a game to only win by six. Um, that that's still not great. I mean, you still have enough horses besides Posh Alexander to, to win those games. And, mm-hmm. and obviously talking about, you didn't have um, uh, what you didn't have Coburn, Coburn. against, Fairley, yeah. against Fairley Dickinson and, um, these three games, you didn't have pin zone either, mm-hmm. which apparently had, it seemed like a much bigger loss than anybody would have anticipated, yeah. especially how well he played against Indiana. Um, and then the NJIT game, I mean, they didn't play great, but in the second half, they were probably going to go win that game by 30 once yeah. they went up 16. Mm-hmm. And then and then Anderson pulled everybody, mm-hmm. which was, which was kind of confusing. I mean, he pulled your, the three best players in that game were – uh, Julian Posh, and believe it or not, it was Isaiah Naiwi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he pulled them, and then NJIT comes back, and then he's not burning his timeouts to stop the runs. It was really head-scratching. But, I mean, if those three stay in the game, they probably win that game by 20-plus points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, though, that was the one. Because, like, I, I do chalk up a lot of this to, like you said, just the lack of energy in that arena. And, you know, we, we've we've gone on and on on Twitter and everything, even on this show a couple times about the non-conference schedule. You know, the rest of the conference is really playing big games, you know, all of last week during Feast Week. St. John's, you know, you have FDU, St. Francis, and NGIT, you know, in front of, I don't know, what, 2,000 people at Carneseca Arena. I think that you do have to, like, chalk that up as, like, the energy was not there right around Thanksgiving as well. Not really many students at the game either. But the NJIT game is the one that worries me because, I mean, like you mentioned, there was really only like a, what was it, maybe a five-minute stretch in that game where they really dominated when they got up by 16, and then Anderson wipes it all out by taking the three best players who, who, who led that that run, taking them out of the game. Like, to me, that game is the, the biggest concern because that game we went in saying, like, they've already had two kind of, like, mediocre games in a row. This is the final tune-up before Kansas. This is time to kind of come together, play a, a full 40 minutes, and they just didn't do it. And I think that that one is the one that concerns me the most. Yeah, I really agree with you because going into that game, I thought this could be a game that St. John's was going to win by third, like 30 points yeah. mm-hmm. like legitimately from start to finish. Um, just because, I mean, all the questions that, that you're around the team and whatever, and you're talking, well, why, why are they playing so poorly? Why are they not getting off the fast starts? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's going on here? And then uh, you're, you're like, all right, you play NJIT. This is your last game for about a week, mm-hmm. uh, six days. And you're like, they're just going to come out and wipe the floor with them. Yeah. And uh, they really didn't do that. I mean, I think the the two positives that I'll really take away from that game is um, Soriano looked great. Yep. Now, granted, against, I mean, he had about a, a three, four, five inch height advantage and <laughs> 30 pounds of weight over basically anybody that was guarding him. Yeah. Uh, and Nye, also looked really good. So those are the only two positives. But again, you, that game leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you're like, they should they should have been better they and i don't know if say he leaves those three players in if it actually ends up better and they do go on and win by 25 we're all like oh man they're ready for kansas yeah. but um i guess i guess we'll find out mm-hmm. my only other concern too is like they've played what six games now they've won five of them 
they they've really only played in my opinion like one full 40 minute game where they played really well for 40 minutes I throw the opener out the window that team was was horrible that they played in the opener that was like I said that was just another exhibition game that happened to count as a real one uh the second game of the year I thought they played like a full 40 minutes where they really you know were engaged for 40 minutes the other four games you know even the Indiana game you know for a good period in the first half they looked lost and then these last three you know they haven't looked good like that's something that can't become a trend here because obviously when you play Kansas you can't you know be disengaged for any portion of the game and you know if you fall asleep against any Big East team you're gonna you know get get run out of the gym so that concerns me that we really haven't seen them put together a full 40 minutes you know in almost a month now yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I completely agree. Even though um, Mississippi Valley State, I don't, know, I, I know you're a big follower of the program. <laughs> they, 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 they were leading Ole Miss at halftime. Um, I think on Saturday or on Friday. Oh, I didn't they see that. Up, okay. They, they ended up losing by double digits, but yeah, they did lead Ole Miss at halftime. No, I'm joking. But yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think St. Peter's was the only f- full 40 minutes these guys played yeah. um, this season. And is it concerning? Yeah, and like you said, if if they play against Kansas like they had against Fairleigh Dickinson, St. Francis, or NGIT, they, they, they're they going to get the floor mop. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, looking on the positive side, and I, I think you tweeted something about this. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but if you look at these last three games that they played, maybe not necessarily the Fairleigh Dickinson game because that one, it was never seriously in doubt, I don't think, but especially the last two, the St. Francis game and then the NGIT, I think in years past they absolutely lose one of, if not two of those games, in my opinion, you know, under other coaches or even, you know, a couple of years ago under Anderson, like we've seen them have so many letdown games against, you know, NJIT and Robert Morris and and uh, Delaware State and Incarnate, where we see them lose so many of those games. I do think like there is something to be said. I don't know if you really give them credit, but I think they're, you know, past St. John's teams would have lost one of those games for sure. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I did say that and I absolutely agree. I think... Um, I, I credits like you said credits not the right word mm-hmm. um, but but there is something to say for that that they won um, because I mean if and I know this is we're talking now months down the road but if you are looking at a tournament resume um, no one at least from the outside when you watch on TV and they do those blind resumes they don't go through and say um, team A only beat <laughs> NJIT by nine in overtime they mm-hmm. only beat St. Francis Brooklyn by six mm-hmm. that, that's not really a thing the biggest thing is that you won the game Mm-hmm. You don't want on that bad loss side, St. Francis, Brooklyn, and NJIT. Mm-hmm. So, like, th- th- there is something to be said about how they won these games that they easily could have lost, and they probably would have lost a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, it so far they've avoided that crushing loss that that you know, like you said, that resume loss that's going to pop up you know two three months from now. So, I think there's something to be said about that. Um, looking, you know, at, at how St. John's is playing as well, kind of diving into the roster now a little bit. I think. Part of the the issue maybe for St. John's, not the issue, Julian Champagny hasn't been what he normally is from three-point range. He opened the season in his first three games, 13 of 27, almost 50%. You're never going to keep that up you know, with the volume that he shoots uh, the ball from three-point range. But his last three games, two of 15 from three-point range, he's missed a lot of shots that I, I feel like you know nine times out of 10, he knocks down open shots, maybe looks a little bit unsure of himself. It does say something that he's still, I think, averaging 18 points per game over these last three when the three has not been falling for him. But... You know, what's going on with Champagne, in your opinion? Is there something wrong, or is it just a case of, you know, peaks and valleys of, of, of a great player? I think it's just the ball not 
not going in the basket. I mean, you've seen a lot of rim outs. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen a, like the ball halfway down, it bounces out. Um, and I think, I mean, everybody goes through these stretches at a course of a season where this, the ball doesn't go in the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, obviously, I would look something, look into it because um, it's almost caused St. John's to lose. But <laughs> I mean, it, it's really tough to see this big of a drop off yeah. of how we played against Indiana. And then he kind of just, it's been a straight downward nosedive the last three games. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. against Indiana, I mean, he was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. But I just, I like, you know, to, to give him credit, and I think that's that's why he is, you know, the best player on St. John's, probably one of the best two or three players in the conference and a top 15, 20 player nationally, is, you know, you look at his, his scoring outputs, uh, you know, against St. Francis, he goes for 23. He scored 17 against Fairleigh Dickinson, and he scored 14 and had 10 rebounds against, uh, against NJIT. Like, I think that speaks to Julian that he's still not only impacting the game, but still scoring at a, at a really decent clip. I mean, not, you know, not his normal, but still putting up, you know, double, double figures when he's not shooting from three really at all. Like I said, he's made two in the last three games. I think that speaks to just how good a player he is. I, I agree with you. And also, I mean, scoring or not scoring, he's also the leader of this team. Yeah. Um, he, he's the one that everyone looks to. Um, to, to take that next step or to say, all right, what are we doing here? Or mm-hmm. tell me where to be or have everyone lined up. He's that player. He's he's the quote-unquote captain of this team. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether his shots are falling or they're not, everyone's still looking to him to lead the charge. And I, and he has done it th- these last three games. And, I mean, even look, again, he, he wasn't shooting the ball well, but, I mean, he was the one that um, led the charge in the final 10 minutes against St. Francis. Mm-hmm. He was the one... Um, in that second half, or one of the three that led the charge against NJIT. Mm-hmm. So even if his shots aren't falling, he's still impacting the game in a variety of ways, helping this team win. I mean, he's been their leading scorer in five of the six games mm-hmm. so far this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you know, we know that Julian's a leader. We know that Posh is kind of the the second second leader. You know, B leader, I guess you could say. We expect he'll be uh, he'll be around for this game against Kansas. But you know, looking at kind of the supporting cast. In my opinion, we kind of know what we're going to get out of a guy like Montez Mathis, out of a guy like Steph Smith. Uh, you know, you kind of know that you'll probably get, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 points from those guys. You'll get some good plays. They've, I think they've both played pretty well. I want to know from you, though, uh, Aaron Wheeler, Tariq Coburn, Joel Soriano. Soriano had a great game, his best game for sure of the season. Um against NJIT, but hasn't really looked dominant, I wouldn't say, or as dominant as you would think uh, in the games previously. Coburn really has struggled since he uh, since he came back from um, the illness, and Wheeler hasn't really been a huge factor. Uh, of those three, who's the most important to really, you know, get going the rest of the season, or at least, you know, in, in the short term? I think it's Soriano. I think you need that presence down low, and, I mean, he's really it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen Wheeler play, and he— He's kind of more perimeter oriented than I thought he was going to be. Me too. Um, and I don't know if that's going to change uh, throughout the course of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I think it's Soriano just because you need that presence down low, like you saw against NGIT. And I know we're going to get into it a little bit later, but against Kansas, man, Kansas has some dogs up front. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is a big step up in competition. I think Trace Jackson Davis, I mean, he's an All-American, but um, he's not a traditional big. Mm-hmm. So I think that was just a bad matchup for Soriano in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you start looking at Mitch Lightfoot and David McCormick. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are traditional bigs. They're about 6'9", 6'10". They got some weight on them. Uh, they're going to need Soriano to be big Friday night. 
and going forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let's get into Kansas a little bit now that you, you brought it up. Uh, Kansas, obviously, they dropped the game last weekend to, uh, to Dayton. They are 5-1 and one on the year. They're eight, the eighth-ranked team in the country right now. In terms of you know just looking at them on the on the stat sheet, it looks like uh, looks like uh, Agbaji is kind of their their main guy. Christian Braun scores 14 points a game. Remy Martin, who feels like he's been in college for for 10 years, uh, the transfer from Arizona State scores 12. How do you scout Kansas? How do they play? You know what style do they play? Uh, what should St. John's fans know before the matchup? Well, they, they play fast. Um, they play up tempo. They play physical. Oche Abaji is a star. Um, he's kind of like St. John's version of Julian Champagny, where he can do it all. He can score from the outside. He can score from the inside. Um, like So Kansas has played six games as well. Abaji's been their leading scorer for the five games. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, he, he is something special. Um, you talked about Remy Martin. I was going to say, it feels like St. John's plays this guy every year. I think, <laughs> I think what is this? This is going to be the fourth game? Uh, yeah, I think fourth. Yeah, right? I think the, the, the one year, I think he might have been a freshman when I played in the Staples Center. Yep, and yeah. Then, and then uh, the tour, obviously the the first four game, and then uh, the game of Mohegan Sun. Well, yeah. But um, <laughs> Remy Martin against Posh Alexander, man, that is going to be a matchup to watch. I'm really excited to just to just focus in on those two guys. Mm-hmm. And um, Bron's a guy; he can put it on the floor, he can shoot it from deep. His shooting numbers from deep aren't great this year, just 33. Mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. But he does have the chance to shoot it from deep. And then, I mean, David McCormick's their guy down low. Um, He'll he kind of just anchors everything. So Kansas, I mean, they, they don't really have a weak spot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely certain things St. John's must do mm-hmm. uh, and do it very well if they want to win. But man, Kansas is a really good team, a national championship contender. Uh, St. John's has their work cut out for them big time on Friday night. Let's hear about what does St. John's need to do to win this game? Because I, I mean, you know, the the small brain answer, the the basic answer, I think with every game for St. John's is they want to speed up, they want to run, they want to play fast, they don't want to play a half court game but in your opinion what what does st john's need to do if they're going to if they're going to be kansas on friday night well number one is they can't turn the ball over mm-hmm. i mean if, if I, I watched a lot of kansas games um this weekend in, in their um espn invitational and um i mean the live ball turnovers they feast on it's kind of like st john's yeah the, the, they'll they'll create a live ball turnover and they'll have a three-on-one before you know it, and they'll lay it in for two, or they'll kick out for a three. You can't you can't have live ball turnovers. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think Julian Champagne, he has to be a star. I don't see St. John's winning this game if he doesn't have upwards of anywhere between 20 to 25 points. I think he has to be sensational. Mm-hmm. And n- number three, it does, I do think it comes down to Joel Soriano um, and how he anchors the paint because Kansas, I mean, David McCormick, I mean, he's really good. I mean, he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start. His rebounding numbers aren't there, only 5.2 per game, Mm -hmm. averaging less than 10 points. Um, But again, St. John's, they can't get dominated on the glass. Uh, They have to hold their own in the paint. So I think those are the three biggest things St. John's has to do if they want to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at too the, the their minutes uh, breakdown for Kansas, are, are they as deep as St. John's is in terms of, of going you know 10, 11 guys deep, or are they maybe more you know more of like a Villanova type that's only going to play you know six or seven guys? Uh, you know how, how does that work for Kansas with a, a team that has so many diff, you know different guys that can beat you? How do they kind of break up their minutes? Well, they're closer to St. John's than they are Villanova. Mm-hmm. I mean, Villanova plays. I mean, in their biggest games, Jay Wright will play a six-man rotation. Yeah. Bill Self, he'll play probably play closer to 
eight to nine. Mm-hmm. Um, you, fi- you figure, what is he going to do on the road? Because I guess this is Kansas's really first true road game, yeah. even though it's at UBS and St. John's doesn't play there. Uh, they played in a neutral site against Michigan State, and then they've, all their other games were at home, mm-hmm. with the exception of their three games down in Florida. So um, you wonder what Bill Self will do if he'll try and tighten up his rotation playing a road game. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I expect them to play um, anywhere between eight and nine maybe even a little more 10 guys in this game. Mm-hmm. And, and I would I would think St. John's as well, in your opinion, is going to go, what, 10 deep, do you think? Or you know, do you think Nwaye gets gets you know some run to Stanley as well? He didn't play much in the last game. Like, what do you what do you think St. John's' rotation looks like in terms of how many how deep they go into the bench in this game? I mean, Nywee has to play. I mean, he, he's earned the minutes. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the first ones off the bench against NJIT. Mm-hmm. Um, he... He was one of their best players on the floor, so I, I would expect to see him. Maybe not for 20 minutes, but mm-hmm. I definitely would expect to see him. Um, again, I, I think it remains to be seen if um, Penzone will play. Mm-hmm. Um, I know St. John's is having a media availability tomorrow afternoon, and obviously we'll learn more then. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if Mike Anderson will. He normally keeps his injuries a little close to the vest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be surprised to see him, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, I could see him potentially returning like next week. Um, I guess that's against Mammoth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll find out more tomorrow. But yeah, I expect Mike Anderson to play his regular rotation, um, maybe a little tighter, um, but certainly um, Julian and Posh and Montez, Steph, uh, all, all, all those guys are going to have mm-hmm. big time minutes. But um, again, the, the, the most interesting thing I'm watching in terms of the, the rotation is Nyway and Nyway Stanley and Wheeler. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a bit of shuffling going on there in terms of who gets the most minutes, and I'm really, really intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Me, me as well. Uh, you don't have to give a prediction if you don't want, but how do you see this game playing out? You know, you and I were talking. I, I personally think it'll it'll be a it'll be a close game. I don't think St. John's. I'm not ready to say that they're going to win this game, but I do think with you know a few minutes left, they'll be in this game. Uh, your thoughts on just kind of how the game will play out? I think it's going to be a close game. I mean, Kansas doesn't get blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously anything could happen in, in, in a game, mm-hmm. but um, I agree with you. I think it's going to be close. I did have uh, way early in the preseason where I predicted each St. John's game this year. Um, so six games through, I'm six for six. <laughs> uh, I said that they would win um, every game up to this point, um, except Indiana. I had them losing on the road at Indiana mm-hmm. and, uh, I had them winning against Kansas. So, um, I'm going to ride that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm six for six. I'm going to hope to go seven for seven. All right. All right. Well, we will, uh, I'll, I'll definitely be rooting for you to be right. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> I want, I want you to be right. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, just my la- my final question for you or final thing I want to talk about you know, after Kansas, they they face Fordham, they face Monmouth, uh, Colgate, and Pitt. All games that they'll be favored in, but I feel like, you know, maybe a bit, little bit of a step up from what they've seen. I mean, Pitt is not good this season, but Colgate uh, has beaten uh, Syracuse, and I believe Monmouth beat Cincinnati, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, a, a week ago or so. So, I mean, th- that's definitely a step up. In your opinion, though, you know, they, they, they play a good game. They lose to Kansas. Let's say they lose by five to Kansas. Then they win their final four. So they are, what, nine and two going into conference play. How would you kind of rate, you know, the, the non-conference schedule for St. John's? Would you call it a success? Would you call it a failure if they do go nine and two, but they don't really pick up any signature wins? So I... 
I think it's hard to look at it as a success in that point. And I also think it's hard to look at it as a failure. Yeah. <laughs> um, because there were games that you could have lost, um, that you won. Mm-hmm. But obviously, your, your two big boy games, Indiana and Kansas, you would have dropped in that scenario. So I think it was just be like, all right, you need some convincing wins in Big East play. You need to win on the road at Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to beat UConn. You need to beat Villanova. Um, you need to beat Xavier. Get, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't have that big time loss to, to Georgetown or DePaul or, or, or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing I will say about the rest of the non-conference schedule, including Friday night, obviously, mm-hmm. you could make a legitimate argument that Pitt's the worst team left yeah. on this on this team's schedule, and that's conference or non-conference. Mm-hmm. That, that's how bad they've been this year. Um, now, with that being said, you talked about Fordham. They're, they're in a transition with a new head coach. Mm-hmm. Monmouth had a nice win over Cincinnati, so that's not going to be a pushover. They're one of the best teams in the MAC. Colgate it's one of those teams where it's like uh, they, they battled um, NC State really tough on the road. Then they lose to Cornell. Um, they put 100 up on Syracuse. Yeah. <laughs> and then they lose two in a row to Harvard and Niagara. Mm-hmm. So you're like, all right, what am I making of this team? Mm-hmm. Um, so like you said, I mean, other, Friday night, St. John's won't be the favorite. I can I can see them being like a anywhere between a five and an eight-point underdog. I agree. But yeah. up, the St. John's will be a favorite in every game. Um, they play again up until that first Big East game against Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you know, unless they absolutely tank these these final five games and they go like one and four or something like that, you know, even if they beat Kansas and, and you know run the table in these final five games, I think it's going to come down to you know if they're making the tournament, it's going to come down to what do they do in Big East play? Who do they beat and how many wins do they get? Do they get 12, 13 wins in the conference? Like, you know, the, these final. Five non-conference games are important, but at the end of the day, their season and, and their tournament hopes are still going to rest on who do they beat in the Big East, and like you said, who do they potentially lose to in the Big East? Absolutely, and I just want to make one point uh, before we wrap this up. And mm-hmm. If St. John's wins on Friday night, uh, you could make the case their biggest game of the year is Sunday against Fordham. I mean, about a 24-hour turnaround, mm-hmm. you're going back home, you're coming off this amazing victory and you're playing Fordham, mm-hmm. and like put that in like quotation marks, like Fordham, a, a bottom eight ten team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you lose that game, you wipe out the, the Kansas win. You know, mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. if St. John's wins, regardless, even win, lose a close game, whatever, it's a really quick turnaround. I think this game was, I think this Kansas game was supposed to be Thursday night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the arena had a conflict. I don't know if the Islanders play or something, and they had to move it to Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so St. John's loses that extra day of rest and recovery and preparation for Fordham. Mm-hmm. So it's a really quick turnaround for St. John's win, lose, or draw. And that Fordham game, they have to play. They're probably going to have to play one of their better games against Fordham, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what happens uh, Friday night. Especially if they win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's a it's a big weekend coming up. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna be along there for the ride. I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast will as well. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, why don't you before you before you uh, sign off here? Why don't you tell everyone where they can follow you and where they can follow all of your work? So you can follow me uh, at Kevin Connolly twenty four on Twitter, and you can follow Storm the Paint at Storm the Paint on Twitter, and you can read all of our stuff stormthepaint.com. So uh, been a fun year so far, and uh, obviously this is the game that I've basically had scheduled uh, circled on my calendar all season long. So really looking forward to Friday night. Yes, me as well, Kevin. Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll be talking to you uh, pretty soon along the way and enjoy the game on Friday night. Troy, always a blast. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Kevin Connolly of stormthepaint.com. 
You can check him out on uh, Storm the Pain. He breaks down the Red Storm men's basketball team. Is really all of St. John's athletics as a whole, so definitely check them out if you're a St. John's fan. If you don't already, follow Kevin on Twitter. Follow Storm the Pain on uh, on Twitter as well. I'm, uh, I check them out all the time, and uh, they're a great source for St. John's news. Uh, talking about the Red Storm's big game against Kansas, like I said, I do think that it'll be a close game. I do think that St. John's has the talent, has the ability to play with Kansas, to play a close game with Kansas. I don't know if they're going to be able to win this game. I, If I had to make an educated, non-biased prediction, I would say they will lose probably by about four to five points, uh, kind of right on line with what I think the spread will be as well, maybe a little bit higher than that. Um, yeah, I do think that St. John's will hang around, though. I think that they... You know the the problem with a game like this is you can play a a great game like St. John's. You know you know Julian Champagny could score twenty eight points. Uh, you know you could be playing great defense. The crowd could be into it. The crowd could be a factor, and you can lose because Kansas is a Final Four level team. You know they're they're probably if not the best team in the Big Twelve, then the second best team in the Big Twelve. They're a top ten team nationally right now. Uh, they've already lost a game earlier this season, so you can play a great game in this one and still lose. And I think that's kind of why I'm. A little bit hesitant to pick St. John's. I do think that they will play a really good game. And if they don't, you know, if they don't come out energized in this one, I don't know when they will. Uh, the crowd should be behind them. You know, if, if you saw on Twitter, looked like uh, all of the student uh, student section tickets have already sold out. They've now opened up like the upper level for student seating as well. So it sounds like the crowd support is going to be there. Uh, as Kevin mentioned, or Kevin and I were talking off air, you know, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a great Kansas contingent because it is not in the garden. It's in UBS, which is a little bit further out, maybe a little bit further for, you know, traveling fans to come. I don't really know if anyone's, any Kansas fans are going to make a trip out of going out to UBS arena to see Kansas play as opposed to maybe if it was at the garden. So I think that St. John should have a, a pretty solid home court advantage in this game, more so than they would if it was at, if it was at, at Madison Square Garden. So, you know, I do think that this will be a close game. I do think that St. John's will be able to, to, to play with Kansas. Like I said, I think that they have the talent. They have the manpower. Uh, it's time to play a full 40 minutes, you know, for the first time in, in about a month. It's time to play a full 40 minutes and see what they can do. Uh, my official prediction, I'm going to say Kansas wins by a couple, but I do think St. John's plays a good game. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing everyone there. So if you will be there and you see me, uh, feel free to say hi. Uh, I'll be there, I would assume, pretty early pregame. So uh, d- definitely look into... Uh, to see some 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 of my loyal listeners of this podcast so can't wait for that and uh yeah can't wait for the game friday night and uh we will be back probably early next week i'll probably do a show either monday or tuesday kind of recapping uh the fordham game and the uh, and the kansas game i'll be at both of them so i won't be able to do any any instant reactions like i normally do but i'll probably do a show kind of early next week to to recap the uh the two games that we missed and i might do two next week as well to kind of make up for missing one during thanksgiving week last week but that's our show thank you for listening thank you for to kevin Connolly for coming on to preview the game and as always, let's go Johnnies.